We want to welcome you to the New Song Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Colorado Springs. We love receiving your prayer requests and comments at newsongcs.com. Thanks for listening as Pastor Stephen Hibden shares an encouraging word of God's love. It's not about how you're going to pay your bills. It's about who is uh, your provider. Uh, I wasn't going to share this, but I just feel uh, may not minister to some of you uh, adults, but I'm talking to some kids here in the room today just for a minute. Um, as a teenager, and as right before teenage years, and probably even before that, I was the kind of kid who, um, when you're looking at um, how I see things, I saw things from what I saw from the way kids treated me. And believe it or not, believe it or not, I know that I'm so cool now. Good-looking and talented and skillful. I'm just kidding. As a kid, even all the way up into probably my junior year of high school, because in my junior year of high school, I moved from the same town where I went to school all the way through to South Dakota, from Missouri to South Dakota, and it was a tough move. And I was already having trouble in Missouri. I had my group of friends, but I was, I was kind of a dork, all right? I was a kind of a nerd. I was kind of, nowadays, nerd is actually like a good word, like, oh, I'm a nerd of this, and I love that, that kids can be nerds and be cool, but I uh, had trouble. I would see myself and say, I know, God, what you've called me to do. I know I am this man, I'm going to be this man of God someday, but right now, and I go to these summer camps, and they tell me, oh, you're going to change the world in your school, you're going to do this or that, and, you, and I said, do you know who I am? Do you see what a dork I am, and how many kids would never follow anything that I say to do. I will go to the Bible club, and I will raise my hand and say something in the Bible, but no one will come because I told them to. I was, I was just not that kid. I was, I, um, I, I was uncoord, I'm uncoordinated. I still am. I'm clumsy, and, um, and when you start to put those things on yourself, and then we can all relate to this, it just, multiplies into, um, oh, I can't do this, I can't do this, I'm not good at, I, and I see people's heads shaking, right, that, God, you could never use me because look at, look at who I am. And you stop believing that what he's told you, what God's told you, and you start to believe what Philip Stowers tells you about yourself. And I said, I'm speaking to the teenagers and the kids because um, I know that you're past this as, as adults that people don't make fun of you anymore, but maybe they do in some, in some ways. But I remember Philip Stowers, he was supposedly my best friend and he called me pig nose. And it was his joke for me. <laughs> and I would laugh and I'd think, I do have a pig nose. I'd go look in the mirror myself. Oh my gosh, you can see right into that nose. Oh my God. <laughs> right? And um, I had another friend who's supposedly a friend named Joey Nevins. And this is not in my notes, but, you know, Joey Nevins was a jerk. He was just a jerk. I would love to see him today. I'm going to look him up on Facebook, and I'm still going to call him a jerk. Because, no, he didn't know it. He was trying to make himself look good. And he, one time I came to this football game, and I was with um, 
not my friends. I was with maybe a friend, and my parents were there, so I was probably going to sit with them. I don't know. And I walked through the front of the student section, and Joey Nevins, with his cool pants wrapped up all the way to right about here, we tapered our pants back then. You pull up your socks. It was a, not a cool style. <laughs> I, I tell Cynthia about it, and she says, um, she says, you, I live, we did not have that style in California. I lived in Missouri, so we had this style. But he was cool, and he took his entire probably $5 drink that he bought, which is a waste of money, and threw it on me in front of everyone. And I was just humiliated. It was just a humiliated moment. And even to talk, no, I'm not, I would say even to talk about it now, I'm humiliated. But it's really, it's really kind of funny now because I was so afraid that he was going to beat me up right then that I didn't do anything. I just went, that's not cool. And I kept walking. And the people cheered for me, the kids in the group. And the group, they cheered and they, and they're like, they made him look really dork, like dumb that he did that. But I say all that just to say, when we take things from our view, they're wrong. They're pretty much all the time wrong. It has, whether it's, your, whether it's your paying your rent or whether it's um, making friends in school, our viewpoint usually is just a view from a point. And I want to remind you today to not let it get obstructed. Uh, Lord, we just pray that you would uh, anoint this word that I'm going to share and anoint my voice and uh, my words. And I thank you for this uh, eclectic group of people in this room, whether maybe they, they would uh, be different or boring or the same or exciting or all kinds of people come together to make a great family. And I am so thankful to be a part of this group. And I pray that our ears would be open to what you have for us today, I want to ask you, has anyone ever felt like you could never see victory happen again in a situation in your life? You feel like it'll never come. There's no way I will ever, this will ever change the way things are. I would want to suggest one person to you and maybe seven others that you, we could probably go through in the Bible, but one, Joseph. Joseph probably thought he would never see victory. He was sold out by his own brothers into slavery. And then after slavery, the slavery people, the, the master sold him, and then he ended up being in, in prison. And he thought he would never, things would never change. But this Joseph seemed to realize that his view was only a view from a point. And I can only imagine that he did not his, see his victory close his obstructed view could have kept him from seeing the victory that was well on its way. Would you agree? Um, can you imagine Abraham, how he felt? He's taking his son. God called him to do this great thing. And his view was not the same as God's view. And he said, Abraham, I want you to take your little son Take him up to the mountain. We're going to go up on the mountain, and then we're going to do a sacrifice there. And the thing is, it's going to be your son that you're sacrificing. So just get him up early and 
my son to get him up early to come to church is hard enough. But I was, um, Riley, I want to I wanna tell you that I'm going to just gotta hurry up and get up. It's, it's 5.30 a.m., and I want you to come help me um, sit up at church. No, I want you to come help me because um, gonna, I'm going to sacrifice you today. So get up out of bed. I have the knife. Can you carry? And here's, um, I want you to carry this wood, and we're going to walk up. Um, do, you, do you know Pikes Peak? You know where that's at? We're, we're going to do a hike today. Ah, oh, Dad, come on. Well, and here, carry this wood. I'm actually using this to burn, burn you when we get to the, I mean, I'm kind of being funny, but kind of like what, what was going on. I guess he probably didn't tell his son as they're going up, up. But he knew. He knew what was going on. Can you imagine even as a kid, as a person, as a person in this room that doesn't have kids yet? To think I'm taking my son up a hill to kill him, and God told me to do this. God, uh, I'm obstruct. My view is obstructed right now. I've been to um, the Wrigley Field, the one of the coolest places to go. I've tried. We try to go to every uh, baseball stadium in the United States, and we need about five more to go to. But one was one was really amazing was Wrigley Field. The thing was the tickets are so expensive there that we had to buy an obstructed view. Now, the obstruct, I was all bummed out, oh, man. And then we sat in our seats, and you could see everything. It was fine. And I could see everything, all the things going on. But there are times in our lives you cannot see. Abraham could not possibly have realized that. I think they said he was like this, like getting ready to, like, I don't know. He had already, he had already tied down his son. He would already got the wood ready to to burn his son for, for the sake of God. I mean, and then he gets up to, to do it. And then there's, thank the Lord, man, I would not even be a Christian. I wonder if I would still serve God if I saw that story in the Bible that God let that happen. And he didn't let it happen. There was a ram in the bush. Where did that ram come from? Who knows? But, you know, God knew that ram was coming up the other side of the mountain, and he just planned it just perfectly that right when it was time to sacrifice his son, the ram was there, and he, oh, there's, the, there's my sacrifice, and little poor little Isaac, thank the Lord, Dad, I'll never go with you on a hike again, you know, <laughs> telling you. God has a ram waiting. If you just, if you just, let him do what he does. You know what he's looking for in our lives? Someone who will just go to church and read their Bible. And No, he's just looking. Well, maybe that too. But he's just looking for you to obey him. Just be obedient. Don't try to do it yourself. You may feel like um, there is a way that seems right to you. But let me tell you, your situation needs to come in agreement and alignment with what God's situation is. And I'm going to, I'm going to, it's just a couple of sentences. This might be a different way of preaching, and I preached it earlier in the room for Seth. Did you enjoy it, Seth? And I'm going to preach it for you right now. And this is just how I wrote it in my notes. And it says this. Can I hear an amen before I even say it? Realize your situation just might not be your destination. Your layoff might just be a layover. Can I hear an amen? 
Is that good? Your layoff might be a layover. I would think maybe I should let Chappie say this part. Your layoff might just be a layover on your way to a liftoff to a whole new point of view. I'm not done. I'm not done. You hate the way your life looks now. It may be messy. You may be a work in progress. You may not be the perfect product yet. You may not be exactly who you know God has called you to be. But that ugly scene might just be scaffolding on the building, preparing for the victory God is bringing. Can I hear an amen? I will say it again. I didn't need a, I didn't need a clap. I just need that ugly scene. You know, I, really, the thing is, I wrote this, and it didn't, I didn't realize it rhymed. And then today, I was, I was going over my mess, and I'm like, this, this is good. This is good. I'm saying it again. Because it must have been on purpose. It doesn't rhyme, but it kind of rhymes because the INGs. Let me say it again. You might be a work in progress, but that ugly scene might just be scaffolding on the building, preparing for the victory God is bringing. We are going to look at one more scenario, and then I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you in your brokenness, in your divorce. In your addiction, you might be here and you're like, dang, I don't have any of this stuff. I'm not even defeated today. I want to challenge you in your stagnancy, which means if you've been a Christian a long time and nothing's going wrong in your life, then there better be some amping up of your spiritual life because God has been blessing you and you need to go to another level, all right? So when I say all these defeats, if you have no defeat, you just say, thank God, it's time for me to go to even a higher level than, than those who are defeated. You, in your addiction, in your abuse, whatever it may be, these are only speed bumps on the runway to launch you into greater victory. Look at 2 Kings. In the meantime, you may, be, you may feel defeated. And this is how this lady was. I mean, this lady was at the bottom. At the bottom. And I won't take a long time with it. I just want to read through the five verses that, that are 2 Kings about this lady. And it says, One day the wife of a man from the Guild of Prophets called to Elisha, Your servant... My husband, this lady comes to Elisha. You know the friend of yours that you guys are in this group of prophets together? Well, he's been serving God his whole life, and guess what? He died. My, my, my husband is dead. You well know what a good man he was, devoted to God, went to New Song every week, and now the man to whom he was in debt is on his way to collect by taking my kids as slaves he's gonna i have to pay him money and i don't have the money and he's taking my kids as ransom for the for for my rent here's the ultimate example of a view from a point remember this view this point of view was only a view from a point the lady has an obstructed view and i ask have you been there maybe you've never been in a situation like this particular one but, you know, I see this uh, building situation that we're in as a church. Uh, I'm, I, I'm a, the businessman of the, I'm the pastor, so I look at this stuff. And sometimes I see an obstructed view of this building situation. And it makes me wonder why when God has so many plans for this city, that he would not, why would he make our church wait on the building that he has for us? 
And um, I think, man, we're going to, I want to do midweek groups. I want to do discipleship. I want to do parties and potlucks and celebrations and baptisms and dedications and salvations. Why would you let this get held up, this thing that's going on? And I'm preaching to myself and I say this. It's my view from a point. God has so much more that he's doing. Maybe he brought someone to this place that he wouldn't have brought to our new place before. Maybe they're close by. I don't know. But God would say again, I want to remind you to not let your view get obstructed because your victory is on the way. Verse 2, Elisha said, I wonder hmm, how I can help you. Tell me, what what do you have? Do you have anything? I mean, do you have anything to help? I know that you, you need to pay your bill, and that he wants to take your kids, but do you have anything? What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? Let me tell you, one of the greatest strategies against our victory that the enemy has is to get us to focus, are you listening, on what we don't have. What do you have in your house? Oh, I have nothing. I don't know. I have nothing. I just, my kids, uh, I guess I'm going to have to get, I don't know. I have nothing. I don't know. The enemy would love to make you think, oh, you got nothing. Look what you don't have. But there's a lot that you do have. Isn't it how often, amazing how often we think this way, even though God has everything we need to succeed, we will somehow give in to the temptation to meditate on not what we have, but what we don't have. Or maybe it's not what I don't have, it's what they have that I don't have. Well, look at them. How come they have that? Look at their house. Look at her car. Look at his boyfriend. Look at, or no, that doesn't work. Look at his um, family. Okay, sorry. I'm just trying to use his, her, our, I'm trying to use all of the, yeah. <laughs> you get that, Sandy, um, on your camera? If I only had that marriage, if I only had that job, then I would win. Then I wouldn't need more. Then I wouldn't throw away my confidence. On the front of your bulletin, there's a verse that we went through a couple of weeks ago. Don't throw away your confidence because, oh, if I just, oh, man, if I only had that building, oh, man, if I only had that gym, if I only had that membership if I only had and it goes on but God says to you and me what do you have take it and do what I say and watch what happens your voyage may seem so long but your victory is coming I want to encourage you it's coming it may seem like oh my gosh no one knows what I'm going through you're at the end of it and it's coming here this 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 lady says nothing and then he says back to here back to her verse 3 here's what you do go up and down the streets borrow jugs get bowls get containers big containers get Tupperware whatever you need to get bring it all back to the house and not just a few. Get all you can get. Then come home. Lock the door behind you. You and your sons. Pour oil into each container. When each is full, set it aside. 
And I ask you today, what do you expect God, for you, God to do for you this year, 2018? Maybe you're at a place that you're, oh, I've done so many things, great things for God. I just wish there was more. God wants to tell you today, collect the containers. Go up and down the street. Be obedient. Whatever I ask you to do, you do it. And get as many as you can. This was God's word to this poor lady. This was the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord to us today is not literally go out, collect containers. Bring them all back next week. Let's see how many containers we can. And then we're, but it's kind of in the spiritual realm. I think God would say to you, some of you, um, you're looking for more blessing. We'll collect the containers, get them ready, prepare yourself. God is preparing you for victory. Get ready. Do what you need to do. Spend time with him. Seek him. Expect God to do, and then watch as he fills them. Most of the time, the shortest distance, this might be the best thing God might speak to you today. One, most of the time, the shortest distance from point A to your destination, if it seems like a long way, it seems like, I think Moses, it would have been nice for Moses to hear this, the shortest distance to your destination from point A is probably obedience. I'm pretty obedient. Oh, well, there was, there is how I do that, and I kind of, I kind of, like, stretch, I stretch it a little bit here with my, with my rules, and God's asked me to do this, but I do this, and it's probably almost just as good as that to God, so he's probably, uh, he's probably going to bless me. Uh, where's the blessing? And God's saying, um, obedience, keep, I'm, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, obedience, you're collecting, you say you're, you, you want to go to the next level, the, the only container you've collected is this nice, sweet one that uh, maybe you show up for church on Sunday. But what about, um, I've, I've asked you to, to speak to that person. I've asked you to give to that person. I've asked you to, um, to uh, just spend a little bit of time with me each day. And God would say, the shortest distance, if you're trying to get to some destination, it's probably, from point A to your destination, it's probably obedience. Seeking him, living rightly, not complaining, being without reproach. God is calling for believers to be without reproach. Do you know churches, I don't know this for sure, but, you know, they used to have deacons a lot of times and, 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 and overseers and things. And the Bible says you have to be without reproach to be um, an overseer, an elder in a, in a, in a church you know, it's hard these days for churches to find people who are with, well, look at what's going on here and look at what's going on here. And I'm not talking about your baggage. I'm just talking about today. Are you presently without reproach? God is calling you to righteousness. God is calling you. It's called holiness. It's called serving him. And it's not boring. I promise you. I promise you what your friends do and what your other people do and what you wish you could do that seems so exciting. It is not getting them to victory. It is only getting them to more heartache and more heartburn and more problems. It is. When you serve God, when you are obedient, when you walk uprightly, righteously, 
It will bring you to the destination you desire. I promise. I can promise. I can promise because it's God's promise to you. Follow me and watch what I do through you. Just follow him. Just try it for three days. Stop doing one of those, just one of those things that you do all the time that you shouldn't be doing. Just watch. I'm not preaching hellfire and brimstone on you. You're not going to hell unless you, maybe you are. If You better straighten up. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that you're going to heaven and on your way to heaven, man, watch the blessings God can bring you on the way. You're, you're, you're trying to be a Christian and you're not getting any of the benefits from it. And that may not be to anyone here, but there might be someone that needs I even need to hear that. I want to walk more righteously, don't you? Does anyone in the room want to be more righteous? Not so that you can say, look at me, I'm so righteous, I'm so, look, I don't hardly do anything wrong. No, so you can have confidence to do what God, because I think, if, I, I, I bet you, if we walked more righteously, when we get into a situation and we're praying for someone, oh, Lord, you know their need. You know what they're going, you know how they need this right now. Just touch them. And in the next few weeks, we just expect a complete healing. I bet you if you had a little more righteousness, if you had a little more confidence, you would go up as exactly how Jesus told us to, as authority in with our authority in Christ that he gave us all authority that you would walk into a situation and you would proclaim it it never says pray in Jesus name and just trust and just start talking about all the person's needs and then eventually they'll be healed he says heal the sick help them to recover command it to be done when God would see someone and they would be blind he'd say I command you to see right now. And that's all we need. We have the same authority that he has. Amen? Amen. Collecting the jars. It's been so long. What are you doing, God? I don't see what you're up to. God may come back to you and just say, you want the key? You want the key to get to that place? It's called obedience. Just obey. Just obey me. And I'm speaking. Well, what am I supposed to do? He's, he's probably told you something to do at school. He's probably still told you something to do at home. He probably told you a way to treat your parents better. Are you listening? Everyone has parents. Some of them are passed away, but some of you don't even treat your parents good that are alive, that are old. Maybe he's calling. The atmosphere, I really believe, and I've said this before, and I say it again, the atmosphere in our homes is determined by our actions and our words and as kids and as moms and as dads and as grandparents when you walk into the house of strife that your that your kids are dealing with whoever you are you have the ability because of the spirit of god that is in you to change that temperature in that room in that house and kids uh, my daughter is in the room. If you're ever, I will only speak to her and, and anyone else that feels convicted, you can. If you were ever in a situation and you were feeling upset, depressed, uh, mad, you do not have, you have the ability to make everyone else feel that way too. Are you listening to me, sissy? You have the, but you also have the ability to make everyone in the house feel love and feel peace because God is in you just as well. And you should not let the, that get the best of you. I could see a, 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 a family of, with, with 
And I'm talking, when you go to your, yeah, you understand what I'm saying. Let's move on. Let's move on. Yes, there's grace. Collecting the jars. I'm going to tell you some ways to collect your jars. Be true to your marriage. Stay in fellowship with believers. Don't get angry. Live in purity. Give your attitude over to God. Here's one that I wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily think is being disobedient, but here it is. <laughs> Stop feeling sorry for yourself because you're undercutting God. You're undercutting who God's called you, woman of God, man of God, to be. Don't you say, oh, look at home for me. Look at my life and look what God did. Stop it. God has, you are a child of God. You are, he has a place to sit you in heavenly realms when you're walking in the earth. And you say, oh, poor me. Get over it. Stop undercutting God. Stop searching for a reason. Uh, I just I wish I had a reason to, to get up today because now I don't even feel like you have a reason. It's called Jesus. It's called your purpose in life. It's called your calling, and it's irrevocable, and every one of you have one, and it may not be ministering as a pastor. It may not be ministering as a teacher, but you have your calling, and you, sh and you get up in the morning, and you have a reason, and it's not another man that will give you the reason. If you're, if you're single or even if you're married, it's not your husband that's going to do it for you. It's not your wife that's going it's, it's to, it's the power of God and it's his purpose in your life. Don't lean on a crutch. That's being disobedient. Don't, subst well, I don't know, sub substitute for your loneliness and for the fulfillment that only God can bring you. Don't let anything substitute for the relationship that you need with Jesus. That relationship with Jesus will be everything you need. I heard a preacher, and he said, you know, I am, uh, I am so confident in who I am. Can I hear an amen? <laughs> Get it? And he had to ask for people to say it because he wasn't confident enough. It's just a little joke. I, I'm confident. Can I hear it? Yeah. Anyways. I almost said, can I hear an amen there? And then I decided, I don't need to say that. So that was what I was thinking. Let me tell you, as we close today, can I have some keys to a new car. I need keys to a new car. Every moment of obedience and faith and who he can be to you. Every jar that you got gather, God will fill it. Let me just read real quickly 5 and 6, verse 5 and 6. She did what he said. She locked the door behind her and her sons as they brought the containers to him. She filled them. When all the jugs we're full, and the bowls are full. She said to one of her sons, do we have any more jugs? And they said, no, that's it. And then, and then, the oil stopped. It's not a sad thing. It's not like, oh, man, because then she took the money that she got from the oil, it says, and, and she sold it, and she paid her debts, and she was good. But I only wonder if she would have collected a few more jars, maybe she would be the the millionaire in the Bible and not Solomon. Maybe she would be the richest woman in the world because she was, she was obedient. And when God asks you to do something, you just get out there and work it. Work the word that he's given you. Keep working the word that he's asked you to. If God has given you an opportunity, walk into that blessing. And he's given every one of you an opportunity today to walk into a blessing. This is not um, exactly uh, said to you in a way that Oh, I, I know exactly what I need to do. Every one of you, every one of us in the room, including me, there is a word the Holy Spirit is speaking to you today. 
about collecting the jars in your life. We'd say, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't know. It, it doesn't apply to me. Yes, it does. The word of God always applies. Is it obedience for you? Is he calling you to a higher obedience? Is he calling you to open your, your jar to the Holy Spirit that he might fill you? The oil is a real thing, but it was also symbolic of something that was coming. And the day the word, the Bible is always so prophetic. It was talking of the Holy Spirit that would come eventually for all of us. And it is available to all of us. And it's ready. You just have to accept it and believe that he's, he, and he'll fill you to overflowing. Can I tell you today that your view might say there's only one drop of oil left? This lady told the, the man of God, Elisha, I don't have anything. I don't got anything. Oh, I have one drop of oil. I'm out of, I'm out of oil. You might say, I'm empty, I'm dry, I'm alone. And he would say to you, I can work with it. I can work with whatever you have. Whatever you have. Would you bow, would you bow your heads? I only say that just to help us to focus. Maybe you want to close your eyes. Often, Growing up in church, as I close my eyes, I fall asleep. <laughs> and I want you to fall asleep because you're almost out of here. Then it'll be really embarrassing because you'll be sleeping at, the, at your seat because I'm going to dismiss and it'll be over. And then it's so, so don't fall asleep. This is your moment with God. This is somebody's moment with God right now. My sister Alicia, God is speaking to you right now. He's speaking to you about strategy, about purpose, about um, what you're supposed to do with your jars. This is your moment with God. You're not here by accident today. We're always so, in, it's so important to get to the next thing, get to the next thing. There's, a lot of, there's not a lot of next right now in this service. It's just... Hear what God would say. Will you be obedient? Will you prepare? Will you collect the jars? Will you expect to fill those dry places? Will you expect God to fill those dry places? Those shameful places. Would you expect God to cover those places? There is no shame for us. There is no condemnation for us. There is no sin that is too large or too... Um, done too many times that God for some reason decides to forgive you but he will let me tell somebody here today this don't take it for granted the forgiveness that he's given you the Bible says the grace is there not so that you can ask for grace again the next time the grace is there to bring you to realize how kind God is to you that's my paraphrase of it but God has been so kind to you don't keep up that lifestyle or that thing that you shouldn't be doing. Those ungodly attitudes, don't let them reign you. Don't let them rule in you. We are not, we are believers. We are to walk with our heads up and we are to realize that God has got good things for us. Don't fall back into, oh, look at me, look what I got. Those areas of doubt in your life. You doubt that God could work. I promise you that he will. I promise you he will. 
do something in your life, would you um, stay seated? We're going to receive the offering before we close. But I want to tell you something. Uh, one time I was with um, a group, and I said, you might be here and you doubt God. You doubt him. You don't even believe he's real. I bet you there's someone in the room that doesn't believe he's real. That's what I said. And then I said something I shouldn't have said because we were singing this song, and it was going on and on, and it was one that everyone liked at the time. It was, better is one day in your courts, better is one day in your house, right, than a thousand elsewhere. And I was thinking, oh, there are people in the room that say, no way is one day in God's house better than a thousand elsewhere because I am bored to death, and I want to get out of this place. I don't like singing. I don't like the song. I've never heard it before. Kids are doing this, right? Better is one day. You know, it was like a room of about, probably about 200 teenagers, and they're all, and they do their worship the way that, however, they, just to look cool. And sometimes it's like this. That's the cool way to worship. Sometimes it's like this. And um, they're all doing it. And there were some kids around, and I knew they were just not with it. They were just like, are you serious? Are we not done yet? And I said, if you are here and you doubt the better is one day in God's courts than the thousand elsewhere, I want to know who you are because I promise you today God will touch you. He will touch you right now. I said, you come up here to the front. And it was in a room. It was a hostile environment. I, our youth group, we would have, I had the police there to, to escort kids out. I, my, my leaders couldn't even do it. It was that, they would say, you suck. You're, they would yell names at me because we had service at, at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night right by the subway, and kids would come on the subway from downtown Portland, and they'd, they'd skate on our skate park, but they have to come to church first, which was probably a bad idea. But there were those, and it was a hostile environment. I said, you get up here to the front right now. And, I, and there was five that came up. There was probably more in the room. And I said, I promise each one of you, I look in your eyes. If you raise your hands right now, you will see that God is real. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what did I just do? I'm like, worship team, you better worship. You better do something. And immediately, um, and I said, but you got to raise your hands for this to work. And they raised their hands, and all five of them immediately just start, just broke. They just broke down crying, worshiping God, and say, I'm so sorry, God, I'm so sorry. And um, God touched them. And it was something I knew. Okay, God's real, but um, are you, don't you love those kind of stories? We're going to have a service in a couple of weeks. It's called a testimony time, and I want you to bring your stories like that. We'll talk more about that. But I want to say to you today, if you are here and you doubt God, would you just close your eyes? We're not going to do it as, as emotional that way, but if you doubt that God is real in your life, I promise you that he can make himself real to you and it's not just a it's not just a fake relationship it's not just something your uh, grandparents had it's not just something a pastor has everyone can have a real alive relationship with Jesus with your eyes closed your heads bowed so that no one's embarrassed would you just look up at me and I would just want to make eye contact with you and I will tell you I will agree with you that God will become real to you this week is that you my friend amen anybody else Anybody else on this side? I'm looking. Just, just wait till I connect with you. Amen, my brother. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? One more? 
Is that you? I can't see if you're looking. Is that you? Amen. Anybody else? You're not sure that God is real the way things have been going. I promise you he will become real to you. He will become real to you. Is there anybody else that needs that? Okay, congregation. Amen, my sister. Okay. If there's anyone else, God knows you. Congregation, I need your help. We are going to pray for these folks that raised their hand. We're going to call them to the front. No, I'm just kidding. We are going to pray for them right now, and my faith joined with your faith is going to help them to see this week, not next week, not in the next few months, oh, Lord, God, but this week they would see God as real. Would you agree with me? How many would agree with me? Heaven, uh, let me, let me, who, who's got some faith in their heart and you just want to lead this prayer? Thanks for listening today. Remember, God wants to do the impossible through you and me. We encourage you to become a deeper part of what we are doing. Visit us at newsongcs.com and become a giver to the New Song Foundation and an investor in bringing this message of Jesus across the world. God bless you.